Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now podcasting from scenic Colorado Springs, Colorado, here's your host, Jason Day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Day, and I had an opportunity to sit down with Jimmy Dodd, founder and CEO of PastorServe. Jimmy served as a pastor for 20 years before God shifted his ministry focus to strengthening local churches by serving their pastors. He and his team at PastorServe have provided guidance and encouragement for pastors across the country and around the world. Jimmy's book, Survivor Thrive, has become really a go-to resource for pastors everywhere as they seek to develop healthy ministries with long-term effectiveness. Now, on this week's episode, Jimmy and I discuss critical aspects of soul care for every minister. Uh, We all know that we see many stories of pastors struggling and failing, so Jimmy helps us get an inside look as he touches on the greatest challenges that they and their ministry are currently seeing pastors facing. Then we enter into a discussion about pastoral restoration, with Jimmy sharing what they see working and what is not working. This is an absolutely fascinating episode that you'll want to share with your staff and your church leadership, your elders or your board members. So we encourage you to do that. Let's dive into my conversation with Jimmy Dodd. Jimmy, so excited to have you here with us in the studio here in Colorado Springs for the Church Leaders Podcast. Welcome, brother. Thank you very much, Jason. Great to be here with you in scenic Colorado Springs. That's right. Which is kind of a lie today, but anyway. Yeah, exactly. It's a little overcast today. You can't even see Pikes Peak today. So um, They say it's there. I believe them. That's right. That's right. Super excited to have you with us uh, simply because the ministry in which you're engaged is one that is so vitally important. Super excited for our listeners to hear from you and hear from your heart and your experience because um, your focus really is in how you and your team can come alongside and support pastors. Hmm. Um, That's what you do day in and day out. And and so a very unique ministry, but a much, much needed ministry. And in the world in which we live now, we, we understand kind of the importance of what you're doing. And I want to thank you personally for what you're doing Thanks, Jason. Um, for churches and helping strengthen pastors and strengthen churches, because it seems like every day we jump online and there's another blog post or news article um, of something going wrong, you know, in a church blowing up in some way or a leader, leader falling in some way. So what you guys are doing is just huge. Mm. And so, so we certainly appreciate that. Uh, one of the things I want to kind of start off with Jimmy as we're thinking about um, our lives as pastors, is uh, you, you use a term, and you and your team at Pastor Serve have used this this terminology for quite some time. But you talk about um, front stage and backstage, and you talk about this, you know, in regard to how we live our lives as, as pastors. So, could you kind of set us up? I think to start off this conversation about uh, what do you mean by those two terms, and, and how does that play into our role as pastors? Yeah. You know that this term comes uh, very, very much from from my own life um, because as I pastored for years and years, uh, I think that some would say that that it was a very strong church and everything looked good and, and it was a very strong front stage. Uh, but yet I think as you started to actually investigate, you'd say, well, uh, I guess it's a strong backstage because it seems to be very, very strong on the front stage. And I think that we make this massive assumption of mm-hmm. 
okay, here's a person and they're very gifted and they're well-spoken and they're well-dressed and they're funny and all of these things. And we make this massive leap of, gosh, they must be really, really mature and there must be character and gosh, I bet you that they have a great marriage and they're generous and all of these other things. And I think, you know what? You saw them for a small time on the front stage and you made massive assumptions about their backstage, which is just a huge mistake that we make. And you know what? I mean, like it's all the time. It's all the time that we see a speaker or we hear somebody. That person was amazing and God spoke to me and I love them and they're amazing. And man, the spirit spoke to my heart and I say, I'm so glad the spirit spoke to your heart and I'm so glad that that was really, really, really strong for you. However, you also said that you love them and that they're amazing. You don't know anything about them. You don't know they're backstage. And so I think that that was a big issue for me in that I got a lot of praise from everything looks good, but I'm telling you what, my my soul was withered Mm. um, because I was angry times and I was jealous and I had lots of envy. Um, and I just thought, all right, if you really knew my backstage, you know what? You wouldn't like me. I mean, if it, like if you knew just all of my struggles in life, you would not like me because I don't have a perfect marriage and my kids are not perfect. And I don't have my, my you know, I mean, I, I mean, there were just things that, that I just struggled with every day. And so I just began to see that there was this just massive separation between front stage, everything, you know, everything as far as speaking and out front and you're out there in the church and, and yet there was stuff in my heart Uh, that seemed to be so far away from Christ. And I came to a point where I was just emotionally, spiritually, physically exhausted because it's exhausting to go through life pretending that you're a lot better than you. I mean, mean, you actually are. And and, and I was exhausted. So I reached out to some very, very close friends and just said, man, my soul just feels small right now. It just feels very withered. And these men were phenomenal. They really spoke gospel truth to me. And, uh, and so I think that there was this massive chasm that just began to just close because I became a lot more open about my brokenness and my failures and just all of my struggles in life. But I find that most pastors know that there's a big gap. Mm-hmm. They don't know what to do about the big gap because, you know, we have so many conferences that are all about the front stage. Right, you right. know, here's the best way to preach and teach and here's the best way to have a larger church and let's do more of this and that which is extremely important right right extremely important and yet there's all this backstage stuff that we just don't talk about that often because it's uncomfortable we don't it just makes us feel strange and weird and so we don't want to do a lot of that but i but i have seen gosh in the past maybe two to three to four so years that there seems to be a shift i wouldn't say it's a fast shift Mm -hmm. but there's a shift towards more and more soul care, towards more and more backstage, towards more, hey, it's you don't just need to have this in your life, but you need to have a spiritual director in your life. You need to have a mentor in your life. You need to have a counselor, some really close friends that ask you some hard questions. Those things are also extremely important. So that there's a whole massive backstage that I think is starting to get more and more attention, which is actually very encouraging to me. Yeah, Jimmy, do you think that it's getting more attention proactively or reactively because like like we've said and and i mean this is no secret to anyone listening um we have had a lot of of more public moral failures and issues in leadership in the church so do you do you feel that this is becoming i mean you guys have been pastor sir has been doing this for a very long time but as you said just in the last few years this backstage, you know, life, soul care conversation has been coming, 
you know, to the forefront and bubbling up more. Uh, do you feel that that that's because we're having these issues? So now people are like, uh oh. You know, we've just been kind of cruising along as the church um, decade after decade, um, but we've missed something big. In a word, yes. You know, that there have been there have been, you know, more and more stories about some very strong leaders that we love that have had some major falls. And so I think that that has raised lots of questions of, okay, maybe there there's some things that I don't have straight in my life. And so, yes, I think that there has been a big shift because. There's kind of a fear right now of, all right, maybe that I have just missed some things. And it's been very interesting because I did lots of, because I will speak at a conference and and I will have a breakout because they don't want to do, I mean, like the backstage stuff on on like the main stage (laughs) because that's just way too awkward. So, I mean, like you have a breakout and I'm telling you, I, I, I can think of times where I did these at some large conferences, maybe eight to 12 years ago. And I might have five or six guys in my breakout. It was just embarrassing. It was Okay, I know I'm not a big name, but I hope that you would at least think, well, he's going to talk about soul care and some backstage things. Maybe I should go. And you know what? It just was not a thing. And uh, I, I did two uh, breakouts at a large conference in January, and the room I was in held about 100, and both times it was standing room only. Wow. There was just a lot more right. concern of, okay, maybe I've got to start to think a lot more about the backstage in my life. That's um, good. Yeah. That's, that's oh, yeah, good. it's very and, good. Yeah, I mean, I think it's healthy. I mean, there, you know, there, there are a lot of growing pains the church as a whole is going through right now. Um, and and a lot of lot of it is, is very challenging, but I think we're getting healthier overall as the church. So I think that's a positive thing. And if a pastor or ministry leader is listening in now and they are, are hearing you talk about the front stage, backstage, and even your own story um, – and, and they're thinking, hey, I identify with that. You know what I mean? Like on the front, everything looks like things are going, but there are big gaps in my life. And I am f- feeling worn down. And I am struggling with, you know, this competitiveness and jealousy of, of other ministries or pastors and and maybe some bitterness because of some, you know, um, almost becoming cynical about some of the people in my church. You know, why can't they just get it together? You know, all those things that pastors, I mean, I, I know as a pastor myself, we all kind of wrestle through those things. If they're listening in and, and they know they're in that spot, what is like the next step for them? Like how, if they have that self-awareness that they're there, which is important. And you said many pastors know there's a gap. They just don't know what to do with it. Right. What do we do with that? Yeah, I would say that one of the major signs of the gap is that that there's lots of isolation in their life. So they know that there's an issue, but they don't have a close friend and they don't have a mentor and they don't have a counselor. And so they know that there's this gap, but they don't know what to do because they're not sure where is a safe place to go to just start to process. So I would say the place that they have got to actually start is they've got to have friends in their life that they can speak with in a way that's very, very honest and direct. They've got to have friends that will ask them the hard questions. And so you've got to have those friends that will that will say, you know what, I love you enough to ask you lots of backstage questions. Mm. And so that's just, I think that that's a major, major step because we deal with more pastors who say, yes, I know that I need to have soul care, but we can predict that there will be a big fall in there. I mean, a big, big fall because it's like, well, you know what, I don't actually have a boss because it's a staff-led church and I don't have a coach and I don't have a trainer because I'm the one who actually actually speaks at all the conferences. And I don't have a counselor in my life because that feels strange. And I lost touch with my mentor years ago. And if I'm completely honest, I don't have a friend that I can be real, real honest with. 
we know you're ripe for a fall. It's like a weather forecast. It's like if these things happen, all right, you know that there's going to be a snowstorm. Right. Man, if all those things are there, we know you are extremely isolated. And that is a recipe for disaster for, I mean, I mean, just in one sense, I think for every, just for every pastor, you have to have connections, you have to have relationships. So I would say you need to actually start by those close friends and you can actually deputize them in a sense and say, listen, I need you to ask me the hard questions. I need you to ask me questions about my soul. Most pastors don't have that. We desperately need that. Yeah, that's good, Jimmy. Now, uh, one of the questions I think is where do we find those close friends who can ask those questions. Because as pastors, um, oftentimes, you know, it's challenging for that that person to be someone in our flock, someone that, you know what I mean? So where where do you suggest, and in your experience in working with, with pastors over these years, where do they go to find that kind of a friend? Gosh, that's a great question. Because I think that there's always a risk in this. You know, that there's always a risk of, okay, if I go to these Friends, if they know these things, will they still want to be my friend? <laughs> and if they have a place in the church, I mean, like, is my job on the line? Right, right. Because I've got kids in college and I've got a mortgage yeah. and I can't lose my job because I've got, because I don't have a plan B. And so I can't risk that. So we, we hear here, we know that there just no, there is a risk in that. Mm-hmm. There, there's, there's always a risk. And so I would say that if you can find those that are, in the church, I think that that's ideal, but I think that that's also rare. And I think it almost has to be those who are actually outside the church with those which you think, okay, I feel extremely, extremely safe here because I know that this is confidential. I know that this is gospel centric and they can ask you the hard questions and you can just open up your heart, which is a massive relief to people just to say, all right, I've not ever shared the story with anyone, but, and then you, I mean, just unload. There is such a weight. If you share your secrets with just even one person, the amount of the weight that is just released is staggering. Mm -hmm. It just feels like a weight just comes off because, okay, I shared it. And there was a lie from Satan that I believed. And it was, if they know you, they won't like you. And yet I shared with that person. I shared very deeply and they know now some things about me. And they still like me and they still want to be my friend and they still want to walk with me. And so I think that there's a risk in that, but we have to take that risk because we were created to have relationships and we have to fight for those, I believe. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Now, you've keyed in really on this isolation factor and to overcome the isolation factor to have these important relationships. You shared several, uh, a close friend, coach, counselor, you know, there's several that, that I know that you guys talk about. You write about that in Survivor Thrive. And and those relationships are absolutely key. Are there other things beyond those relationships that you would say, hey, if you find yourself, you know, feeling these gaps, those relationships are important, but then are there other soul care things that that are vital for us to, you know, really thrive in our ministries? Yeah, I I think you've got to be very, very honest, I believe, with yourself. And I think that we have to get to a point that we know that just to read and to pray and to contemplate and to also, I believe, actually confess is such an important part, I believe, of our spiritual life. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's lots and lots of examples, uh, but I'll give you um, a thing that's actually very, very recent. This morning, I'm walking and I'm praying. Mm-hmm. And I'm just trying to, you know, 
I mean, like my wife and my kids and I'm praying and, and I just start confessing. And there's one thing that I actually confess this morning. This will be very, very personal. And I say, uh, Lord, I confess the fact that I drove by this gas station and I saw that there's a huge jackpot at the lottery and that I thought, oh man, the things I could do with that huge, huge right. jackpot. And so, so I just confess and I say, um, Lord, Lord, I just confess to you that I have a deep, deep love for money. Mm. And then I have to say, okay, that's true, and that's a right confession, but what's the sin behind the sin? And I have to say, okay, Lord, I confess that to you, but I confess that to you that, um, that I think that money will make me happy. Okay, Lord, I just confess that to you. Okay, what's behind that sin? Lord, I don't believe that you can make me happy. I don't actually believe in Christ's sufficiency. And I'm lusting after this lottery because I really do not believe in the Christ sufficiency. That's that's starting to get down to some core issues. Right. Then I have to say, okay, what's what's behind that? And I think probably in my heart, I think I'm smarter than God. Mm. And I would think, you know, God, I would know what to do with that money a lot more, I believe, than you would. And then we're down to to some core issues. So I think that we have to take time to actually confess the sin behind the sin. And that would just be one practice that for me has been life-changing because I don't just confess about the leaves on the trees and there's millions of them, but it's, I mean, like the roots. Right. And it's, it's, it's just so interesting because, because as I confess the sin behind the sin, it almost always comes down to like the same few deep, deep roots. Right, and so right. I say, okay, Lord, change my heart there. Change my heart at the root level so I don't have these, you know, I could go on and on with my sins. There's a litany of them, Jason, but Lord, help me to meet these things at the root level. And oftentimes it's, you know what, I think I'm smarter than God, and mm-hmm. I do not believe in Christ's sufficiency, but that's what I want to believe. Uh, so I think that that's a, so like, I think that that's a soul care practice great. that is extremely important. I, I, I you know, I, I just think it's extremely important to find times just to be actually alone and be quiet. It is so rare it is so rare to just be still and just contemplate. Uh, we live in a very, I mean, it's a very, very, you know, just a very, very noisy, you know, yeah. just a noisy world that yeah, we live in. For sure. And so just to be able to be quiet and just to be silent and just listen to God is extremely rare. But I think it's just unbelievably important that our souls have that time to just listen. Because I believe that God is speaking. Yes. Yes, that's good, Jimmy. You know, it's interesting. Just yesterday I was coaching a pastor and one of the things that we were kind of processing through that he was kind of bringing up was, um, and he's a, he's a newer newer pastor, came from the marketplace into ministry, but great, great young man. And, you know, he has been seeing some of, you know, the news about pastors burning out and pastors making poor decisions. And, and so he wants to be proactive in that, which I love, right? And so we're talking through some coaching questions and about endurance and how to avoid burnout. And... Uh, one of the things that, that I really kind of try to help him focus in on is something that I know that I experienced as a pastor, and pretty much every pastor I've talked to, at some point, they've experienced this, and that is um, we mistake being in Scripture and doing ministry stuff for our own you know, spiritual formation, right? So, so we're busy doing a bunch of, of Jesus stuff. Right. And we, we think, oh, then we must be growing closer to Christ, right? right? Because we're in it every single day. But there's a difference between just doing ministry 
and making sure that you're caring for your soul in your relationship with Christ. Exactly. And That's so th- very well said. That, that confession um, practice, I think, is absolutely phenomenal. And that's one of those things where you can be intentional about, you know, really focusing in and honing in on your relationship. What would you say to a pastor who who feels that they are busy doing a lot of ministry stuff, a lot of God stuff, and that that is what kind of drives them? You know, I, I've had pastors who, who I've talked to and, and coached in you know, they feel that, and not that this can't happen, but they feel that their sermon prep time is sort of their devotional time. And I will admit that a lot of what I preach, a lot of what God is speaking for me to preach to the church is stuff he's speaking to me personally, right? right. I mean, that's, that's part of it. But I think there's there's a balance there be, to make sure that we are growing as Christ's followers and not just as pastors, right? Right. So so what are some what are some other thoughts in, in regard to that idea of growing as Christ followers ourselves first and foremost? Yeah, because I think that is it is very easy to be so driven we just kind of have this mindset of, well, you know what, I have these gifts and here's this need. And so I think that because I've got these gifts and here's this need that God wants me to actually meet that need. And so we go and we go and we go and we just don't slow down. But, but I, but I kind of think in one sense, it's always justified in our mind by, well, God has called me to do this work and I have these gifts. Therefore I should not say no. And I should just be actively involved in all of these things. And the one thing that changed my life in this area in a massive way, I believe, which it was, there's a great story in John five and you have Jesus and it says he walks into a multitude of needs. So you have lame and blind and lots of, you know, lots of disabled. And he comes into this sea of need. And the scripture says he walks up to one person, talks with one person, heals one person, and then leaves. Mm-hmm. Now that story changed my life because I thought, okay, from all we know from, from like this text, he has to walk around needs that he could meet. I mean, he, he could easily walk in and just say, Everybody be healed, right? Right, right. But he walks in and he has to find this one person. You think, okay, how? It's all about the spirit. I mean, he's clearly being led to this one person, but he has to step around needs that he can meet and chooses not to meet those needs. Mm. Goes to that one person, has that one conversation, heals that one person. Now, you know, after he heals that one person that everybody's screaming, (laughs) me, me, but it's but as far as we know from the text, he leaves and just heals that one person. So if you have these gifts and there's this big, big opportunity, that does not always mean that God wants you to meet that need because that's not the way that Jesus lived. So he's obviously in the spirit of prayer. Okay, Father, where do you want me to go? And God leads him to that one person. He heals that one person and then leaves. And I think if we could have that type of a spirit of just prayerful dependence is like, okay, God, I've got this list of things today. It's overwhelming. It's mm-hmm. over. There's, there's no way I can do everything, but God, I want to work hard in the hours I'm here. So I pray that you would lead me by your spirit to have the right conversations, to make the right phone calls, to do the right things. And I think if we can have that mindset of massive dependence upon the spirit, and then at the end of the day, that we can have things undone mm-hmm. that we could do. It's like, well, gosh, if I would just stay for 15 more minutes, I could make that one phone call. Of course you could. You could make that one phone call. You could make, 
15 more phone calls easily. And they would be used by God, absolutely. But that doesn't mean God wants you to do those things. Mm. You know, that we've got this balance of life. You know, you work and you sleep and you eat and you exercise and you have some hobbies and you spend some time with your spouse and your kids. That's essentially life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that there's a real strong, okay, I try to keep all this stuff in balance, but if I work crazy hours, if I'm so driven that I work more and more hours, you know what? Something's got to give, right. which means I might sleep less. It means that I might not eat right. I don't have time with my you know, spouse and I forget the names of my kids because I'm always gone. That's not a good thing. You just have to know that if you spend all this time over here, it has an impact upon other areas. So I believe that God wants us to have a life that's actually balanced, which means we have time with our spouse, we have time with our kids, and we don't feel guilty about it because our family is our primary ministry. I mean, all of life is ministry. Your family is your primary ministry. And I think we have to believe that, which means that there's times in which, I mean, like you've worked a long week. You've worked, say, like, you, you know, I don't know, 65 hours, mm-hmm. and you've got that one big, big meeting, and you think, okay, my son has a softball game or like a baseball game, and you leave that. It's like, go, because you're going to leave actually your secondary ministry to go do your primary ministry. And I think that we forget that oftentimes. Mm-hmm. And I think, think that oftentimes our families get pushed down uh, because we just feel that need of, well, I've got these gifts and I have to meet these needs. That's not the way that Jesus lived. That's good. Clearly in John 5, it's not the way that he lived. That's good. That's good. You know, you mentioned in there um, that sometimes we have this guilt associated with, hey, I mean, and and I, I worked through this myself as a pastor. I had to come to a point where just in my relationship with, with Christ and trying to walk in step with the Spirit, I had to come to a point where I said, a, I'm trying to do stuff that really only God can do, right? So <laughs> I had to come to that point. That was an aha moment for me. But then in through that um, and trying to – because I just – and I think a lot of pastors have this. Jimmy, you probably have the same thing, just a natural sense of urgency because what we've given our lives to is it's a pretty big thing. You sure. know what I mean? It's, it's, it has eternal ramifications. So there's just natural sense of urgency like – We've got to share the hope of Christ, and we've got to help people, you know, navigate life um, so they can uh, know Christ and honor honor God. And so there's that urgency, and I had to come to this place where I had to literally give myself permission to do like what you said, leave some things undone at the end of the day and be okay with that and be able to then go home with my wife and my kids and be present with them and not continue to think about those things I left undone. That's good. And that's and and I think that's a challenge to overcome what that actually looks like because I mean we've we've heard this it's been said all the time just like you said all of life is ministry and you know if you're a pastor you work 24/7 you know what I mean I mean all those all those little little things that they say about being in ministry right um and there's truth to that but how do we draw those boundaries those healthy boundaries so that we are um, making sure that even if we're physically present with our family or we're, you know, because, because I think sometimes that's a piece of it too. We we're like, okay, well, I'm going to leave the office, right? I'm going to, but at the same time, our mind isn't there. Um, how, how have you seen maybe in your own experience mm. or, or working with other pastors to really make that shift so that we can be fully present in all of those different places 
as we need to be. Gosh, I think that you know that that's a lengthy answer, actually. But I think that one key is that you have to have a champion in your life. You have to have a champion that is so for you. I believe mm-hmm. it helps if if they might be on the board, uh, but you have to have those who who say, "Listen, I am so." for you that I will watch your back, mm. which means I want to ask you lots of hard questions. I want to ask you about your hours of work. I, I, I mean, like I want to ask you about, I mean, like a bunch of date nights, you know, just as far as your spouse. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you about spending time with your kids, but we have to have champions that will really, really guard our back and just fight for us because as pastors, we do not self-regulate well. We just don't do it well. Right. So you have to have that outside source. And I would say that the vast, vast majority would say, you know what, I have a board, but I don't have a champion. Mm. And I would say to the boards, you've got you've got to be a champion for your pastors. You have to fight for them. I mean, like you have to ask them questions. You have to do all of those things. Yeah. Um, just extremely important. That's good. That's good. I love. It. We talked talked a lot about the the backstage soul care stuff. That's that's vitally important. I'd like to shift a little bit. Um, it's kind of in the same vein, but. What have you been seeing over the last few years that are kind of the biggest struggles, the biggest challenges that pastors are are facing and the pastors that you're working with? Are there are there certain things that um, those listening can can kind of process through and maybe look at, you know, maybe these might be some red flags or maybe there might be some warning signs along those lines? What what what's happening, I guess, in your world? as you are working uh, diligently backstage with pastors? Yeah, I mean, I would say that the one thing that's uh, been there for years and years that actually still continues is just fear. There's a lot of fear in in lots of pastors, and it's, okay, you know what, I've got secrets, and if they know my secrets, I'm in big, big trouble. So I think that there's just lots of hiding, and I think that because of that, there's lots of isolation. So so I think that that's just a basic issue. I think as far as outward issues, I think uh, the way that God th- thinks, I believe, about sexuality is a huge issue for pastors. Mm. And there's just more and more of a struggle of, okay, I believe this. It's hard to preach this because it just seems like there's such a massive shift in our culture that I fear that if I preach what I believe, it actually says, says I believe in God's word about marriage and everything else. I, I believe that I could drive some people away. But I would say that we have to be true to preach God's word on sexuality. That will be hard. It's extremely difficult. That's a big question right now for a lot of pastors. They're just trying to walk through some very hard waters there. And we have seen more and more pastors in a sad thing uh, that they just compromise that. And they would just say, I just cannot preach that. And we have watched them just actually shrivel. And we have watched church after church shrink so you think, okay, if I don't preach this truth, I think my church might grow. No, it's exactly the opposite. Preach God's truth on sexuality. And I believe that that draws in more and more people because we long to hear truth right now. We long to hear truth. And, and you know what? Gosh, it's a hard truth. Mm-hmm. And it's a painful truth at times, but we need to hear truth. Uh, but that's a massive struggle right now for pastors. Huge yeah. struggle. Yeah, yeah, that, that's fascinating. I didn't expect you to bring that up, honestly, Jim. You know, I mean, like, I don't mind, I'm thinking about some certain things, but, I mean, uh, you guys, obviously, in your team, you're, you're talking with pastors all the time, so you get to see some of these things, and, and I can see how that would uh, would be a challenge. It's only uh, going to get 
more difficult. Exactly. You know, it's it's, it's not getting less difficult. Right. Especially we have lots of denominations who are now, you know, making shifts in, in how they're defining um, sexuality and marriage and all those things. So that, that could be a whole podcast right there. Yeah, exactly. It's a big issue. Exactly. Uh, let's talk just a, a little bit about, and, and this could be a whole podcast um, as well, but let's talk a little bit about pastoral restoration because this kind of goes in line with what we've been talking about for those pastors who have gone through challenging times, who have failures, whether they're moral failures or maybe they've had burnout, whatever that might be. What what are you seeing as far as healthy pastoral restoration? What does that kind of kind of look like? Is the church uh, more open to that today than maybe they were in the past? Less? Um, just I mean, this is the world in which you live. So share with us a little bit along those lines. Yeah. So I would say that we speak about restoration, and I think that that begs the question. It's always okay, restored to what? Mm. And and I think that oftentimes it's well, you shouldn't be, be involved in restoration. Because that person is so bad that they should not be actually in pastoral ministry anymore. And we say, well, that's not the goal here. The goal is to actually restore them, first of all, to Christ and then to their spouse and their kids. And we hope their church, but to be restored to a place where they're back in, I mean, you know, some type of a role, that's oftentimes way, way, way down that list. Right. And so we want to help them come back to a place where they can be honest with Jesus. Mm. And so we see that there's an openness for that. And we see that there is more and more of a, just as far as pastoral restoration, which we think is, I mean, I mean like is actually good. Uh, the question that we, we, we are asked all the time is, okay, does that work? Hmm. And it's interesting uh, because I would say that about half the time it works, about half, half the time it's a big, big failure. And it fails almost every time because of the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. which just breaks my heart. But you'll have a pastor that, that has a large church and there will be a fall and there will be, some, you know, and so I mean, I mean, we start the process as far as the restoration. So because it's a large church, it's very common, very common, very sad that there is a large donor in the church who's got a lot of money who loves this pastor and says, this pastor has been a huge help to me. And, and after a while they say, this pastor should not have to be in this long, long, long restoration program, because it's extremely demeaning, and you know that they've, you know, that they're just so gifted that they should be right back there in the game, and so they provide funds for that person to just not have to do actually anything, and so we watch pastors walk away because you have a uh, just because you have a lay person that thinks they're being a huge help to this pastor. And it's actually one of the worst things in the world that you could ever do. And really? so there are stories, I mean, story after stories of uh, pastors that, that actually start the restoration process. It's going well. And then they've got that friend that has a lot of money that steps up and says, well, I want you to pastor me personally. And to do that, I want to pay you this massive amount, of, you know, huge amount of money. So, I mean, you know, this whole process, you can just stop. And Wow. Uh, which is... I would never have guessed that, but, but it's that, a it's a common really it is a common story. So they step away from the restoration process, and because the the donor with funds kind of says you're restored, here's yeah. here's funding. Let's yes. let's go forward. Yes, really. Yes, there's so many stories along those lines. Wow. 
uh, because you have a big so uh, so I mean I mean like there's a big big fall and 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 I mean like in every case there are the, I mean like you have the these extremes you have the group that says all right that person is so bad I'm mean, crucifying that they should be dropped there should be no <laughs> severance no help no, there there should absolutely be just I mean drop them that's it right and there are stories where that has been been like actually listened to mm. that we had a guy that was let go and uh, they took over his home his bank accounts everything he couldn't buy a meal that's i mean that's a, i mean it's wow. it, it was ridiculous it was so punitive he couldn't buy a meal we bought his meals for, for actually about a month because he was on the street he had no place to go he was like i have no no access to, to actually anything that was just crazy right right and then you have a group over here that says well you know what we all sin and yes yeah you know he blew it and she did lots of stupid things, but but we all do stupid things, and we massively minimize sin mm. through this. Well, yeah, but we all sin. We we all fall, and so there's this constant justification of they should be back in the game very very quickly because yeah, it was wrong, but this will just make them a lot more human, and they'll be able to speak a lot more to us now because they've walked it through. And I just want to throw up when I hear those things. Right. And the thing is, those those I mean, like are just extremes. They're always extremely vocal extremes. Mm. They're loud. And you right. can't listen to those extremes because there's a massive group in the middle, massive group in the middle, and they're not loud, but they're watching. Mm. And they want to see exactly how this whole thing plays out. And I believe that it's so important that we be involved in restoration and show grace because everybody in the church thinks, okay, I've got sin in my life, and how's the church going to deal with me when my stuff is exposed? Right. Um, And so you want to see that you have a board. I mean, like you have elders, you have deacons, whoever it might be, Mm -hmm. that they have a spirit of grace, but you cannot be actually dismissive of sin. You have to say, yeah, listen, that this was a bad thing. This has to be dealt with straightforward. Right. Um, And so we have just watched this over the years. And uh, so we've got some guys, and, and I mean, who, who have stayed with a long process, it's been amazing. And they have been actually restored to their spouses, to their kids. I mean, it's, it's just been lots of great stories. Wow. Now, one, one thing that's been a big, big shift, huge shift, and been probably about the past probably five or six years, is that I think that there was a sense in which you could have a, a pastoral fall because of moral failures, because of money, those mm-hmm. types of things. But there was a shift into um, you could have a fall because you were just a bully. Mm. And it seems like that kind of got actually added in just a while back. And now there's more and more pastors let go, lots recently, that have been very, very much in the news. Right. Because they're just bullies. They're bullies. They're just mean-spirited people. And um, and I think that that has, very strangely, that has actually empowered boards to say, Okay, you mean we we can say to our, you know, you know, you know, we can say that okay, it's not just it's it's not just about moral failure. It's not just about whatever it might be, but just because you are a mean spirited person, mm-hmm. you're a bully. You know what? You're done. And so I think that that's this whole new aspect. And so we have got pastors now that are very very I mean extremely engaged with us, which is a great thing. And they're there because they were bullies. Wow. And we have to talk about what it means to be a nice person. Interesting. Um, yeah. It's a big shift. Yeah, it's interesting. Jimmy, it's been good to, I mean, we could talk for hours. We could. Easily. Um, it's been good to have you with us. Um, but before we, we, we jump off, 
Can you talk to those listening? If, if there's someone who is maybe struggling, if maybe they see some warning signs, or maybe they have some hidden sin, you know, and there's that fear factor that, you know, this may come out at some point, but they feel trapped. They feel like they don't really have anywhere to go because right. they can't reveal that, you right. know, all right, because they're a pastor after all, you know. Um, what is Pastor Serve? What is your team doing? How can they connect with you? You know, what, what, what are different ways that they can kind of process through that? What would you recommend? Yeah, so I would say that I, I just have very, very strong feelings that we are a great place to go uh, because we are very, very gospel-centric. We're very, very confidential. It's not a, a small ministry in the sense that, I mean, at the very start, we said we do not want to be a white suburban, uh, I mean, group. And right. so we have been very, very intentional. We have got Hispanics. We have got African-American. We have whites. We have old. We have younger. We have lots of men, lots of great, great women, because there's more and more female pastors. Right, and we've right. got some outstanding staff with us. So I would say that we would be a place to go because we're not just a small group in the fact that, you know, that, I mean, it's, we, we, we have staff from Baptist Independent Christian Church. We have Charismatic. We have PCA. We have EPC. I could go on and on and on. Right. We, we have Wesleyan. We have Nazarene. It's, it's, a, it's a wide spectrum. Mm-hmm. And so I would say that they could find the, 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 the right person on our staff where they could go to just process, to just have a very, very, just a very, very safe conversation. So you can go to our site, which is actually just pastorserve.org. Okay. And there's all sorts of links there, and there's all sorts of information there. And, the, you know, the, the, there's a place where you can click, and you will be called okay. back very, very quickly. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. So pastorserve.org, we'll have that link in our show notes. Great. Thanks. And um, and so they can go there and actually start the process and connect with someone on That's your the team. best way to start. Excellent. Jimmy, it's been such a pleasure to have you with us uh, Thanks, today. Certainly appreciate it. And again, appreciate all that you and your team are doing for our pastors, for our ministry leaders, for our churches. It's um, it's just, it's a huge undertaking. And uh, the heart that you and your team have is, is beautiful. So thank you for what you're doing for the kingdom, brother. Thank you very much, Jason. This is a great podcast. It's a great tool for the kingdom. You have a lot of great guests. So I feel very, very honored to be here. So thank you very much. Awesome. Thank you, brother. God bless you. Thanks. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us on this week's episode. Every week as we are putting the episodes together, we're thinking of you, our pastors and ministry leaders, and striving to provide insightful and inspiring interviews as you seek to grow as a kingdom leader. So we hope you're finding value from the Church Leaders Podcast. And if so, we'd certainly appreciate you taking a few moments to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your positive reviews and ratings help other church leaders more easily find our podcasts so they too can benefit from these interviews. Again, we thank you in advance, and if you have any comments, any questions, suggestions, or ideas for guests, I would love to hear from you. You can send me an email to podcast at churchleaders.com, or you can connect with me on Twitter. Finally, you can find this podcast as well as other great faith-based podcasts on the Faith Play app. It's available for both Apple and Android, and so we encourage you to check that out as well. So until next time, this is Jason Day encouraging you to love well, and lead well. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.